Welcome to the Region by Own Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Jean Felix Turcotte, a certified integrative health practitioner, level one and two, certified in blood chemistry and functional lab testing. I love helping people with GI issues, weight loss, mold exposure, heavy metals, misters problems, and health optimization. I love helping people get to the root cause of their health struggles and simplify healing. Ready to transform your health? Go to regionbiome.com and click book a call. All the support is greatly appreciated. If you enjoy, please write a five-star review on iTunes or the platform of your choice. Enjoy the podcast and please share this with anyone that this would help. Welcome to the very first episode of the Regen Biome Podcast. I'm so excited to take you guys on this incredible journey. It's a long time coming and I'm glad that now the podcast is officially out. So today's episode is on a topic that will resonate with many of you. I'll be talking about iron overload, anemia, what type of anemia, what to look for, how often should you test, and what to do about it. So again, before we start, as a reminder, any of the information shared in this podcast or future episode should not be taken as medical advice and is for learning purposes only. Always refer to your medical doctor before making any changes to your diet or supplement regimen. Let's get started. I wanted to begin this episode on iron because this is a true passion of mine. Since I myself have hemochromatosis, which causes my body to absorb four times the amount of iron than an average person without this genetic. So if not managed over time, the accumulation of iron can start causing some oxidative stress and that will create some inflammation and can possibly cause damage in the tissues, organs because of the iron being stuck and not flowing. Along the way, after I got certified as an integrative health practitioner, as well as being certified in blood chemistry, it truly came to my attention through reading my own blood work that my levels of iron were significantly elevated, which it was so funny to me because I've seen my doctor and never was it a, con a concern. And oftentimes what happens with people with uh, iron overload specifically is your physician will actually take a look at your blood work but won't actually send you for a diagnosis of uh, for your genetics for potentially being a gen genetically predisposed to hemochromatosis until your ferritin level are quite significantly high like above the thousands or above 500 if i recall the actual reference reference range which is very alarming to myself because this is a great science of inflammation and ferritin is a very poor marker to actually analyze iron uh, overload specifically. So prior to describing this, so I was following a diet that was mostly vegetarian and vegan for about almost two years. Um, that was at the right beginning of the start of all my digestive problems, which I started supplementing with this liquid iron. It's a very well-known supplement from Germany. It's a it's in a liquid form, and that many people get prescribed or simply decides to take because they have low energy, which is a common symptoms that many people have when they do have a lack of iron or a deficiency or think they do. So supplementation with iron in excess, it can create some real problems as feeding pathogens, but one of them 
is non-reversible neurological damage, which to me is extremely concerning considering the amount of people that are being told or advised that they should be supplementing with this metal. That to me, it's, it's mind-boggling, really truly. By all means, it's very essential that iron is required to make hemoglobin, to carry oxygen from your lungs to all parts of the body. So without enough iron, yes, there aren't enough red blood cells to transport oxygen, which can lead to fatigue. So, of course, we need it. It's essential, but in, in the right amount, right quantity, with all its core factors. So before you supplement with iron, a proper assessment needs to be done, in my opinion, which blood work is ideal for that. And you may consider a hair tissue mineral analysis as well but blood work is always where i would start in the beginning for sure so when i recently did my blood work when i saw a high elevation of iron as well as very low levels of copper it was very reflective of that when i did an air tissue mineral analysis because my iron level were definitely elevated in my air tissue mineral analysis so when we're going through specific protocols or making some changes uh, to our regimen and supplementation or with my clients in general, I like to do blood work every three to four months on average to probably monitor and see any phys physiological changes in my client's health. So, and as we're making progress in the right directions or not. So it's, I like to use blood chemistry as the core of my practice as well as looking at genomics, genetics, epigenetics, and some other functional lab testing to help us assess the whole and have a whole picture. So what I look for on blood chemistry are a few markers that aren't often tested by conventional care. So I like to run a comprehensive iron panel, first of all, which includes serum iron, iron saturation, TIBC, some will have UIBC, as well as ferritin, and some other exotic markers like STFR, which I like to run uh, for my USA clients because it is pretty difficult to get it in Canada, unfortunately, but is a great marker that can differentiate between a deficiency of iron potentially from a true deficiency of iron or from an overgrowth of pathogen causing the deficiency, which not many people talk about. Also, one other thing that is very essential is and very, very cost effective is running a CBC, which is absolutely essential, which so many people lack the skill to properly assess a CBC, uh, which conventional care do truly, unfortunately, uh, taking a look at a CBC in a more sick care or disease point of view versus optimization which is such a low cost and you can it can tell so much about nutritional deficiencies like b vitamins vitamin c zinc and when you and other types of minerals and when you cross-reference with other markers on blood chemistry so most of the time when somebody is actually deficient or seems to be anemic it's more likely from a deficiency of cofactors which i see that with low B12, low B9, low vitamin C, which you need vitamin C for the absorption of iron, needing copper as well as vitamin A, which I'm gonna be talking more about. So all of these things are needed to be assessed, which so many people simply don't. 
when I look at a CBC, I always look at hemoglobin as the number one along with RBC, so red, your red blood cell count, and hematocrits. So these markers can fluctuate depending if the person is dehydrated or not. So you can have some false elevations sometime as well too. So which you can see hemoglobin being very elevated in iron overload, for example. But I will assess obviously other markers for dehydration first of all and having a full picture. It's never just one thing. We don't treat a marker. We and first of all, I don't treat, cure, or diagnose anything. We look at the imbalances of the body and we help the body, uh, re we assess with that and we give the body what it needs to do its own thing. So here's a few types of anemia which can come from anemia of low copper. So low copper anemia is one of them. Uh, low B6 can cause some low iron levels, low vitamin C, low vitamin A, low zinc, as well as it can come from blood loss, internal bleeding, hemolytic anemia, which is a condition when red blood cells are being destroyed faster than they are being replaced. So the thing with that is multiple infections are known to cause hemolytic anemia, like Lyme disease, parasites, mold, Clostridia, EBV, Epstein-Barr virus, very common, E. coli, hepatitis, herpes, HIV, etc. There's a ton of them. So. Um, which is why it's very, very essential to take a look, a deeper look. So which is, again, assessing whether or not we are dealing with some pathogen overload that is viral or bacterial is crucial. The thing to understand with parasites, bugs, mold, they love iron, right? And they need heme in order to survive. So we have to understand that not all deficiencies are caused from poor intake, which is so funny because iron is actually everywhere. And plants and yes, animal product, red meat specifically in higher levels, but about 25% of our iron in the body gets recycled on a daily basis. And it's like everywhere in food. <laughs> so before we jump to iron supplementation, I like urge people to properly get their blood work assessed first of all, and then do some extra nutritional changes, but mostly from diet and take a look at any types of potential infection and something that has not been uh, assessed or overlooked. And then you retest and see where your levels are at. Supplementing with iron directly can cause a lot of nausea and simply feed pathogens, which if more likely so many people have poor gut motility and poor gut function, has some pathogen overload. And so you by feeding the body with actual supplement iron is just putting more gas on the fire. So it's not a good thing at all. So when we are trying to mitigate any types of bacterial overgrowth, parasites, mold, viral issues, supplementing with iron is the last thing that someone would want to do. So other mineral deficiency needs to be considered, like I mentioned above, copper, and that can cause both anemia of iron overload as well. So when it's a low copper. And understand that low iron and low copper is exactly the same symptoms. And on blood chemistry, markers will be identical besides a difference in seroloplasmin and your copper levels. You have to look at these, very essential and vitamin. It's literally identical. So we have to make sure that copper is assessed. So copper is required to carry and transport iron throughout the body and so as well as vitamin A retinol. It's required to make seroloplasmin, which 
is a protein, so that basically it's made by the liver, and that stores and carries copper throughout the body. And so that way we can quickly see how simple it is to be deficient in most people. And again, vitamin A, a bioavailable vitamin A, very, very different than beta carotene. And so if you don't know your genetics, like myself, I know that I have a specific genetic SNPs that predispose myself to have poor conversion of beta carotene. So I would have to eat a ton of carrots, which would be absolutely, I would probably turn orange <laughs> uh, for the amount that would be required for my body to convert into bioavailable vitamin A. The best thing is to the, there's some specific foods, which I'll talk about later on in a podcast as to where you can get some bioavailable retinol, which is so essential to make sure that, and then a lot of people will say the, the copper toxicity, copper overload is if more likely you are deficient in vitamin A. So assessing those two is very, very important along with ceruloplasmin to have a full picture. And so you would consider checking copper, ceruloplasmin, vitamin A, retinol, and zinc levels, which can all be tested from conventional care as well. It's just you have to put your foot down. That's, again, not medical advice, but this is why I always stand for yourself, for your own health, and it's very important. This is why the industry can do so much better, I believe, and we have to stop simply looking at one single option and think that it's applicable to everybody, which is simply causing more harm in most cases, in my opinion. And the most common thing I see also on blood chemistry is low vitamin B. It's crazy, and most people have some sort of methylation issue, uh, which will have problem with detoxification that needs to be assessed so low vitamin b i see that so we live in a world that is so stressful for so many people on a day-to-day -day basis quote unquote our phones <laughs> we're being triggered every single time we look at any notification so but these little triggers actually depletes our bodies from these essential b vitamins right so and the thing is a lot of people will supplement with b vitamins oftentimes from drugstores, a supplement that is has some really synthetic B vitamins that are a big no-no, like folic acid or cytocobalamin, if I recall, for B12. So this is why I like the specific form of B12, methyl, methylcobalamin and methylfolate. But again, if you don't know your genetics, you could be some people can be sensitive, like myself. I don't do well with these types of B vitamins, so I do better with the non-methylated forms. Uh, so I don't get, you can, for some people, can get, they can become anxious with some B vitamins. So you have to know that, right? So if you're sensitive or you feel more anxious when you take a B vitamin supplement, so look at the type of it. If it's methylated, you might be sensitive to it. So there's other forms like hydroxyl or adenocobalamin, which is for B12, or folinic uh, folinic acid for B9s, which I love these ones. So I like those little lozenges from some other great company. And something else to consider is leaky gut, right? So poor gut function. If you have gut permeability, which basically is you have some holes inside the intestinal lining and or poor villi that will limit yourself for proper absorption of your vitamins and minerals. So we can all heal the body that is nutritionally deficient. So before we get on to the, the whole detoxification protocol and all the fancy loving binders, which I absolutely love, 
we have to nourish the body. So we have to do both at the same time. This is why I like to probably assess that and see if leaky gut or poor gut function is an issue in my clients. When you are monitoring on a regular basis, I think approximately every three to four months is a good, it's a good range to get your blood work tested, especially when you're following some specific protocols or you're working on a, a specific issue. I don't, I'm not a big fan of diagnosis. I think it creates more mental problem with many people or associating ourselves to the specific condition, which I don't like to, um, I try to not actually identify myself to any any condition. I highly encourage to get a comprehensive RN panel as well as a complete CBC with differentials and getting seroloplasmin as well as copper, zinc, vitamin A, SDFR, which is really good, and which but the thing is most physicians don't know how to actually read it or interpret that specific marker or don't simply don't even know about it because conventional care does not even use STFR in many in many people. And that is the great marker that will differentiate iron deficiency anemia or iron deficiency from chronic infections. So it's super, super different. And so I really recommend a great book that really opened up my eyes on this specific topic as I was navigating the whole world of hemochromatosis is the book on iron overload or anemia so is cure your fatigue by morley robbins which as a goal of mine eventually when i start having some uh, guests on my podcast is definitely somebody i really look up to so definitely look at uh, this book cure your fatigue by morley robbins an absolute amazing book you're probably going to want to read it three four five times and just highlight everything <laughs> So the number one, I always recommend starting with food, right? So before we actually jump even supplementation, I, I strongly believe that nobody actually needs a iron supplementation. I think they do a lot. They can make you feel better maybe off the start, but most of the time in situations, I strongly see um, women specifically um, that are being targeted in a sense of supplementing with iron and I think it's just causing them a lot more damages and problems and it's because it's not properly being assessed. So heating things like organic pastured eggs that are rich in vitamin A, bioavailable retinol is so important. There's a ton of B vitamins in there, natural vitamin D, which I'm not a fan of supplementing vitamin D without properly assessing the body. It's that's one thing too, but at least you have it in proper ratios when it comes from food. So, and then you've got some great vitamin E to help fight oxidative stress, which in iron overload, it's uh, vitamin E is a great thing to have and helping with that. Uh, Rosita cod liver oil is another great source of vitamin A bioavailable retinol. There's some vitamin D in it, but it's in a proper ratio 10 of 1. So, 10 of vitamin A and 1 of D. And also other omegas but in proper ratios as well so if you are able to eat organ meats or you don't mind them you like them i would definitely recommend somebody to eat grass-fed beef liver before supplementing with any iron supplement i like chicken liver which is also a great source of copper but again we have to understand even the source of food that we get oftentimes the soil is highly depleted in these specific minerals like magnesium and copper so the animal may not actually be having these high levels of copper in them 
So it's something that, that I like to make sure that I get it from multiple sources, which for myself, it's complete opposite. I don't need more iron, I need less. <laughs> so when it comes down to iron overload on the other side, which is the case for myself, I have to monitor, of course, the amount of red meat intake, and I always seek high quality meat first and for all, for sure at all times. I am not an advocate of any types of conventional farming at all whatsoever, but only regenerative agriculture and biodynamic farmer, which is truly helping revive the soil quality and that offers a healthy environment for the animals as well too. So which is, uh, it's not gonna be a debate as to what or not you should eat meat, but definitely it was something really important for myself to reintroduce into my diet as in the past I had a lot of damage from uh, staring away from me. So, and now it's truly my experience after going through all the diets. So the easiest way to lower your iron level is from blood phlebotomies, which for male, you could do every 56 days approximately and female, uh, I believe it's around 84 due to the men's seat. Just double check on that. So you will release approximately 250 milligrams per pint of blood. The key is to do them on a regular basis and to properly re-nourish your body before and after as well as when you lose blood. Just as a reminder, you have to make sure to properly recover. So rehydration, vitamins, minerals, make sure nutrition is on point because it does deplete the body of its natural nutrients, not just high itself. So if you feel more tired after the phlebotomy than before, this is a sign that you were probably deficient in some vitamins, minerals, or dehydration. So make sure you probably resource yourself. And a great way to actually help the body absorb less iron is to consume coffee with meals. Yes, that can be tricky past noon, which I, I don't really endorse having coffee past noon, but certainly for breakfast is a good thing. Again, when it comes to coffee, always make sure that the coffee is tested for mold, mycotoxin, that it's organic, third-party tested as well without any chemicals. So this is why I choose King Coffee at all times. So this is my go-to coffee for over a year now. Absolutely amazing, no jitters, nothing. I love, love, love that coffee. So it meets all of the above. I like certain supplements like rutin, which is actually one of my uh, one of my favorite supplements at the moment right now. So which is a great nutrient to release iron from the liver as well as preparing the liver for fat loss or helping people with fatty liver, which is so common, which blood chemistry comes hand in hand with fatty liver and it's such 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 a big problem that we are actually right now not addressing so simply look it up on pubmed there's tons of research on routine and also i just made a recent post on my instagram that you can actually double check and you can take a look at so before we finish so the, the key with iron overload is to reduce the excess absorption remove the excess of iron and protect the body from iron causing potential damage there are great supplement like ALA, alpha lipoic acid, curcumin, uh, vitamin E, carnitine, quercetin, rutin, lactoferrin, as well as some CoQ10 that can help reduce the absorption, remove iron, and protect the body from further damage. So again, before we finish, as always, consult with your physician before making any changes to your supplement regimen. So I cannot say that enough. So always make sure you double check with them. So this is it for today. I hope that you found tons of value from this episode. And again, always feel free to leave a comment. 
if you have any questions, uh, DM me on Instagram, more than happy. And if there's anything else to touch base on a future episode and that topic, which I, I strongly think it, I will definitely be talking more about anemia again and specific nutritional deficiency as well as iron overload and maybe potentially bring a podcast guest. And so, yeah, until next time, thank you again for listening and I wish you all a fantastic day. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Regen Biome Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly or seeking private one-on-one health coaching, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, regenbiome.com or on Instagram at Jean Felix Sircott underscore JFT. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.